In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. We're here. <laughs> Welcome to episode eight of Craig's List, number 93, Poltergeist. <laughs> this is Craig. Hi, I'm Carla. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's October. So, you know, it's a spooktacular episode. Oh. We, of course, are doing all horror movies this <laughs> m- No, we're not. We're just doing the list. And it just happens to coincide at the beginning of October. Of course, the scariest month. I didn't even think of that. That we're doing Poltergeist, a ghost story. This is a horror movie, uh, in which no one dies. <laughs> I didn't a, think about that either. It's a PG rated horror movie in which not a single person dies. There are dead bodies in it. Spoilers ahead, but, uh, that none of the, we don't see any character die. So really, what was at stake here? Well, wait, was PG 13 available at this point in time? <clears throat> PG 13 was not a thing. Oh, wait, at this I think time. I know what it was. Tell was me. Was it Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom? Yes, that was the first PG thirteen. No, oh. that and Gremlins were the two movies that got a lot of criticism from parents, which made the PG thirteen rating happened happen. <laughs> <laughs> so because there's like gross outs in both of those movies, though certainly Poltergeist should have been PG thirteen for sure. Yeah, because that part where he peels off his face is gross. Yes. Uh Hey listeners, uh, thanks for the uh for sticking with us this week. Sorry for the delay. I have to go. Sorry for the delay this week. Uh it was my birthday. Happy birthday, Craig. Thanks, Carla. How old are you? Uh You don't have to say, don't say. The internet will know. I'm yeah, the internet knows. It's out there. Is it? It's totally out there. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. Sure. And I, I'm old enough to have had this movie list for <laughs> 30 plus years. I'm old enough to have seen Poltergeist the day it was released in theaters Whoa. in June of 1982. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty old. Um, but we were celebrating. We went to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. Not yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Carla was miserable. What'd you think? Uh, it's just so crowded <laughs> and I want to have fun, but I can't when I'm surrounded by so many people. Yeah. I don't like that many people in my space. <laughs> there are a lot of people in your space. Or like having to wait in line for, we waited in line for the Haunted Mansion for an hour, over an hour, I think. Yeah. That was absurd. Cause we were still in poltergeist mode and we just wanted to, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to see ghosts and feel the presence of ghosts. Well, all the decorations are up for Nightmare Before Christmas. So yeah. That's Which why is I cool. wanted to see it. Yeah. It's so fun. Anyway, that's why the episode was not available in time. Um, but oh, remember how yesterday uh, we the first thing we did was get beer at California Adventure? Yes. And then we went to stand in line for a ride for a half an hour. And then we got on the ride, and <clears throat> I thought it was a different ride that we were standing in line for. <laughs> I don't know how that could be possible. We went, we got in line for California Screaming. 
the uh, the classic roller coaster in California which, Adventure, which is a traditional, you know, kind of wooden roller coaster. Yeah. You know, there's a loop. You know, it's pretty straightforward. You can see exactly the ride that you're going to get on. <laughs> Carla, for somehow, was in this line for a half hour under the impression she'd be getting on the Cars ride. <laughs> and then when we got into the into the car of the roller coaster, I was like, oh, I don't think I really liked this Cars ride the last time we did it. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? This is, a, this is a roller coaster. But then you said there's something exciting about not realizing you're getting on a roller yes. coaster until two seconds before it takes off. Even when we were sitting down, I was like, this feels like a roller coaster. You were taking in all the information. All the clues oh, were telling you. Such a dummy. Otherwise. But it was because we were a little drunk. And I was on my phone trying to get back to emails and stuff, not paying attention. Yeah. Phones and beers, people. Phones and beers. <laughs> Seriously, what did people – how did people survive waiting in lines at theme parks before there were phones or beers? <laughs> <laughs> before there was beer? <laughs> it's it's terrible. It's the worst. It's so it's – the, it's the worst, worst. And so boring. But yes, phones do make it better. Craig had the choice between – Going to the spa and getting a fancy massage or getting passes at Disneyland. And he chose getting passes at Disneyland. And I know which one you would have preferred me to get. Nope. I'm happy we have Disney passes again. Okay. I can't wait to go stand in line again. Oh, are we supposed to be doing something else? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we should start doing our podcast at some point. But anyway, that's why the episode's a little late. Here's why that's relevant. Because I was thrilled to find out we were going on a roller coaster two seconds before it took off. Mm. Much like I was thrilled to remember that I liked this movie. Oh, that's good. As I started watching it. uh, You weren't sure if you'd seen this one as opposed to Poltergeist 2, as opposed to Poltergeist 3. I've seen all of them. You've seen all of them. It was confirmed in my brain after we started watching this one that I've seen all of them. Yeah. Uh, If you're not familiar with this movie, it's about a, a nice suburban family of five Steve, yeah. Diane, their kids, Dana, Robbie, Carol Ann, <laughs> uh, and their house is, uh, being haunted and Carol Ann disappears, uh, into the television. Yeah. Uh, and no, no, she disappears through the closet. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's true. But then they hear her voice on the television. They hear her voice on the, uh, on the television. Not unlike Winona Ryder hearing her son's voice <laughs> through the wall after she tries to contact him. Through the lights in Stranger Things. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Wait a minute. Are you saying that Stranger Things may have taken elements uh, from movies from the 80s and used them? Are you being condescending right now? <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, which is not the same as condescending. <laughs> I, I thought I we hear were, all sarcasm is condescending. <clears throat> I thought we were doing a bit that we were on the same page about. Oh, and so, sorry. yeah, I would hope you would play along with me. Okay. Now I'm being condescending. Next time I will. <laughs> uh, so that that's the basic upshot of the movie. The, the police are never involved or called in any way, despite the fact that there's a missing child. I do think that that's pretty bizarre. Mm-hmm. When they go to to see these um, ghost hunters, 
busters, if you will. The ghost hunters busters is what, um, they're, what they're called. I don't think it's ever said in the movie, but it's clear that that's what their name is. And the dad's like, yeah, we haven't, we haven't told the police yet. <laughs> we haven't told the police that our daughter is missing. Yeah, maybe they just didn't feel like writing that scene. I, I get it though. It's like, that was, that kind of ruins all of the, I mean, it's just so fun to not have to deal with cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so good for you, Spielberg, for figuring out how to get around that and nobody questioning it. Oh, Spielberg? You think Spielberg made that choice? Yes. Because this movie, uh, from what I've heard, is directed by Toby Hooper. Okay. Are we doing another bit where I'm supposed to follow along with you? Yeah, it's kind of kind of a bit. Yeah, you're right. Toby Hooper, the t- Texas Chainsaw Guy? Yeah, he's the Texas Chainsaw Guy. <laughs> he sells chainsaws on the side <laughs> of the road. Uh, yeah, he did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was a noted horror director. Uh, but many people think that Steven Spielberg is the secret director of this movie. He did write it, mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't write that many screenplays. This is one that he wrote, and he was the producer as well. And uh, there's a lot of controversial information on both sides. Uh, I would direct you to uh, – there's a Poltergeist fan site, which I'll include in the uh, the Twitter and the tweets in the twits this week. Uh, so you can see for yourself the excessive documentation that this fan site has done about all the information as to whether Toby Hooper or Steven Spielberg is the director of is this Is that film. the article that Jeff Passano sent yes, us? Yes, Jeff Passano. Thank you, We have you, to Jeff. give him a shout out. Shout out to Jeff. He listens to this podcast. Yeah. So he'll enjoy this part right now. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Jeff. That was really cool <laughs> to read. And it's a really exhaustive fan site in general. So if you're looking for even more hardcore poltergeist stuff, uh, we'll, we'll send you that link. Um, also, Matt Gorley, our friend uh, on his great podcast, I Was There Too, interviewed Martin, Car- Martin Casella, who is the gentleman who plays Marty, the uh, parapsychologist who rips his face oh, off. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he, Matt did an interview with him. He was not only in the movie, but he was Steven Spielberg's assistant for a while. At the time that he shot the movie? Uh, just before he shot this movie. Okay. Uh, and he also worked on Raiders of the Lost Ark. So Matt has two episodes talking to this gentleman about both Raiders and Poltergeist. And he swears that Toby Hooper directed all the scenes that he was in. Yet if you go to this site uh, – uh, Zelda Rubinstein, who plays the psychic Tangina Behrens, uh, said that Spielberg directed all of her scenes. She never once heard Toby Herbert say anything. So weird. So people are saying stuff on, on both sides. Uh, can I ask a question? Why? Because yes, I didn't read that site that Jeff sent yet because I, I want you to be in charge of leading the conversation <laughs> and I didn't want to over prepare, <laughs> but I will read it after this. Why? What is the, what would be the reasoning that Spielberg would secretly direct this and then not take credit. He was prepping E.T. at the same time. E.T. started shooting a few weeks after Poltergeist wrapped. And I guess they were with two different uh, companies and he was not allowed to direct both movies. He wanted to direct both movies, but, oh. but he couldn't. Uh, and so uh, I don't necessarily think that Toby Hooper was a beard uh-huh. uh, for, for Spielberg. You know, he was hired as the director. Some people say that he had, uh, substance abuse problems. Okay. Uh, while making this movie as well and wasn't in a condition, uh, to always be there as the director. Uh, but a lot of people swear that it was Spielberg who yelled action and cut. Wow. Um, there also was, I think, a Variety or Hollywood Reporter article around the time that the movie came out that kind of gave fuel to that because they observed, uh, the set and, uh, 
Spielberg says he was just directing second unit mm-hmm. that day. So mm-hmm. I guess they did some second unit stuff that he did while Toby Hooper was working with the main cast or, or whatever. Uh, but this article kind of like got that out there in the world that maybe Spielberg had actually directed this movie. I would say it's certainly a Spielberg movie in tone and in look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's got that signature Spielberg uh, thing of people staring wide-eyed at something <laughs> – um, crazy or fantastic, uh, right. in, in the distance. Okay. Uh, that's another thing of like somebody, uh, put together a compilation of people staring, <laughs> uh, from Spielberg movies, spa- staring in awe. Will you post that too? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it pretty much is in every one of his movies, some scene of somebody staring in awe at something. Cool. Uh, so my two cents is that Spielberg probably directed a fair amount of this movie. Uh, can we talk about Craig's first time? Yeah. Let's hear it. First time, Craig. This movie came out in June of 1982. And, uh, I know I saw it on the day it came out. I think I saw it at the Springfield mall in Springfield, Virginia, (laughs) probably with my friends, Toby and Sean, uh, probably both of them, or at least one of them. Uh, I know I saw this movie multiple times in the theater on its first release. I know it was also re-released uh, later for Halloween that year, and I think I went to see it again. Um, I know I got this movie on VHS the second it came out. <laughs> and of all the movies we've seen so far, this is the one that I'm like, I know every single word of this movie. Really? Like, More yes. so than Say Anything? More so than Say Anything. Oh, Absolutely. you didn't do any of it for me when we were watching it. <laughs> you wanted me to quote along? Yeah. With the movie? I wanted you to have the pure, unadulterated experience. Okay. Uh, so I would have been 12 years old when this movie came out. Oh, no, I just... <laughs> there we go. I was born in 1969. Okay. So I turned 13 in October of 69, or October of uh, 82. So I was 12 when this movie came out. And of all the movies on my top 100, uh, this is probably one of the first seven or eight that I had seen. What do you mean? Uh, oh, I get it. In okay. my in my life. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's certainly a lot that are er- earlier than 1982, but I didn't see them till later when I was an adult. Gotcha, you know? gotcha. So there's like a handful of musicals on the list. There's some animated movies. There's some big uh, blockbusters that would have come out before Poltergeist, but uh, that's pretty much it. And I think <laughs> when, you know, when you've only seen, you know, 20 movies <laughs> or whatever, the ones that you like really stand out. And I think that's probably why this movie is on the list, just because it was such a formative movie in my youth. I don't know that it objectively stands up, you know, as a classic, you know, movie. If you look at the horror movies on my second 100, the movies that just uh, missed the list, there's some like the Shining and The Exorcist, I think, are, are pretty much universally considered maybe the scariest movies, or at least the artsiest, mm-hmm. you know, the the greatest made uh, horror movies. William Friedkin and uh, Stanley Kubrick, in those cases. Wait, those two are on your second top one hundred? Yeah, they're not. Really? They're not on the top one hundred. Yeah. Okay. But good. I, I, I'm glad I don't have to watch The Exorcist. <laughs> but they're fantastic movies and, and super scary. I think Poltergeist is scary. Today, but not at the level of those. I don't no. think, I don't think it gets under your skin and haunts your dreams. Yeah. Uh, but believe me, when I was 12 years old, this movie scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> 
uh, and particularly the clown doll. The clown doll. So is this the first time a clown has started to scare <laughs> children in a movie? Well. I always want to know the firsts of everything. <laughs> yeah, you want to know when pizza was invented <laughs> and when clowns became scary. Well, spoiler alert uh, for Carla's quotes. You did say during the movie – Let's see. Oh, just get to it when we do it. Okay. <laughs> well, you did say something to that effect. Okay. Uh, then I think clowns were scarier before this. Were scary before this, right? I don't. I don't remember clowns being scary until it came out. Okay. But maybe I'm wrong. I remember liking clowns when I was a kid and wanting to dress up like a clown. And then I remember seeing it and then being like, clowns are the worst. So you think the one-two punch of Poltergeist and it turned the cultural tide? Maybe. Away from Well, I'm talking about clowns. it, the movie, the TV movie. Sure. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Oh. Yeah. Because I was thinking that came out after Poltergeist. It did. That uh, The book probably came out in 86 or 85. Okay. Uh, and the TV movie probably a couple years after that. Tim Curry. Yeah. Was the clown. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy somehow dressed as a clown and nobody thought it was weird until he uh, killed a bunch of people. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay, cool. So the first time I saw this, I don't remember at all. I didn't even remember that I had seen it. Because I just feel like when I think when I think of this movie, I just know I know the um what would you say, the sequences, the famous sequences so well. That kind of like the little Dolce Vita. What is that the right title of that movie? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> no. <laughs> La Dolce Vita. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It sounded like an ice cream when I get, like I was saying an ice cream flavor. <laughs> let so, me get uh, let me get the La Dolce Vita and the Stracciatella. <laughs> Uh, kind of like. Can the, I do two? Can I do two for, <laughs> for a single scoop? Kind of like the the fountain scene. I just know that that they're here scene so well. Yeah. So I couldn't remember if I'd actually seen the movie, but I had because I remembered what happened in the movie once I started watching it. Okay. I maybe saw it like ten years ago for the first time, probably. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd only seen it once, but I have seen Poltergeist three multiple times. And that's the one I have not seen because I was older when that one came out. Okay. And so we rented it a lot on video. And Is that so, any good? No, probably not. But I was a kid and I didn't know <clears throat> what was good or bad. I just know that I liked watching it. I know for Poltergeist 2, uh, Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams, who play the parents, are back for that one, as is the kid who plays Robbie, the son, and Heather O'Rourke is in all three movies as Carol Ann. Um, so the family is back in that one. I think Zelda Rubenstein as Tangina is back and yeah. and number two. Number three, I think, is Carol Ann with a whole new family. It is. Okay, so here I like remember Tom it. Scarrett, maybe? I think so. I remember this because I always felt so bad for Carol Ann because it's like her aunt and uncle who live in the city. Okay. And her aunt and uncle are like, Yeah, her parents just needed a break from her. Is <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah. what they said. But really it's like Craig T. Nelson saying, I'm not making another fucking pull to Right, <laughs> exactly. Um and or, but or I went ten times the amount of money. I'm pretty sure that Laura Flynn Boyle's in it. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm not There's positive. No way to find out. But it's like a Laura Flynn Boyle type, I think. Okay. And if not her. And uh and sh- yeah, so they are like running through this uh, 
co- these condos, this apartment building, I guess. Um, and the ghosts have come there to take Carol Ann. But I think that the little girl died when they were making this movie. Yeah, Heather O'Rourke, uh, yeah, tragically she's, passed away, I think, when she was 12 years old, before Poltergeist 3 was released. Yeah, Because she's barely in it. And when she is in it, they're like carrying her and her, her head is in the opposite direction. Okay, so it's clearly a dummy. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I or, think it's or just a, another girl. I think it's another girl, okay. and they don't show her face that much. Yeah, I feel like she's in it a little bit, but very little. I think they didn't get all the footage they needed of her. Yeah, yeah, wow. it's really sad. And that's a movie you watched over and over. Yeah, it was a scary movie. I don't know. Uh, so what did you think of Poltergeist? Seeing it again? Um, am I, am I giving my letter grade? Now? No, no, that's too oh. early for that. Oh. But um, I thought it was fun. Like I was excited to sit down and watch it with you and I had so much fun scaring you. <laughs> yeah, that was not cool. Uh, <laughs> I guess to this day, this movie still kind of puts me on edge a little bit because there's, there's moments where I was sitting there really tense on the couch and then Carla would go boo or, or she would just grab me suddenly and I would jump up out of the it couch. Was so fun. Yeah, that was it. We were also, also watching in the middle of the day. Like, yeah, I didn't find it scary. Okay. I don't think it's a scary movie. Mm-hmm. Um, even with the, Maybe with the clown. Maybe when the clown drags the little boy under the bed, you're like, whoa, that's pretty scary. That's the scariest scene because yeah. he looks clown. up, it's not there. He looks under the bed on one side, it's not there. He looks <laughs> under the bed on the other side. And then we pan up and the doll is right behind it's him. right behind and him. And it's changed its expression. It's now suddenly got this mean face on. Yeah. And it wraps him up and starts choking him. Yeah. That's the only scary part. Even the part where she falls into the pool and all the dead bodies start popping up, that's not very scary. That feels very Spielberg to me, like I'm supposed to be scared. Mm-hmm. But it's more just like cute. Um, yeah so those are the only scary parts I didn't realize that we don't see the preacher's face in this one I don't even know about him I don't think because isn't he it's like a guy a scary guy with a hat that must yeah. be in Poltergeist 2. That's in Poltergeist 2, yeah, which I barely remember. I saw it when that came out and then never again. And I, I thought it sucked and uh, never sought it out again and never watched number three. Because that's the one where she's like, we understand that they're there for Carol Ann because she can help them get to the light. And is the preacher like a manifestation of the beast? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think that he's in Poltergeist too. Maybe I'm just remembering. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, and, and then the lady who helps them, uh, exchanges places with Carol Ann, right? And leads them to the light. Okay. If I remember correctly. Yeah. That sounds about right. (sighs) (laughs) But it's been a while since I've seen Poltergeist too. Yeah. I think, you know, this movie is probably borderline top hundred for me. Like, uh, obviously it's number 93 of like, it could, it could leave the list. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's probably better horror movies out there, but for some reason I just have a soft spot in my heart for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I was a kid and I could really identify with those kids. I lived in the suburbs the house is so like cluttered and just looks like a, you know, a lived in 1982 house. Mm-hmm. The kids room is full of, uh, you know, clue, Star Wars. Star Wars, Rubik's cube, you know, like all the toys that I would have played with at the time are, are in that room. And, uh, I just, I just could just see myself being that kid. Yeah. <laughs> being haunted. Um, uh, 
I was haunted, by the way. We don't have time to get into it today, but if you listen to the podcast Astonishing Legends, you can the episode The Kakowski Intruder, you can hear about a ghost that haunted both me and my sister in the house that we grew up in. But our closet never turned into an esophagus. And uh <laughs> And a clown doll never came to life. But, oh, uh, so I guess my point in saying that was, although I did just listen to everything you said, <clears> but <laughs> going back just 30 seconds, I think my point was that it's amazing that it's such a good movie when he doesn't justify or explain any of the haunting. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Like, because that came later. Yeah. And in my memory, that was just what it was. This This preacher guy... And they were trying to get to the light or whatever. But I don't think any of that's explained in this first movie, that's right? That's something was invented later for the second movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Basically what happens, spoilers ahead. Stop saying that. Sp- Everybody knows you're going to spoil the movie. <laughs> uh, the house was – it's in a uh, housing development. Steve, the dad, is a real estate agent for this development, uh, Cuesta Verde. And it was built on a uh, a cemetery. And so there's uh, there's tons of dead bodies <laughs> under the house <laughs> that somehow they did not unearth when they dug up their swimming pool. Oh, I guess that was the justification. Was that they're they've built it on top of a burial ground? Yeah, but there's a there's a more elaborate mythology that Poltergeist Two, I guess, went into. Yeah, yeah. Then, but yeah, you don't need to know that to be scared. I agree. by this movie and to enjoy it. Um, I think the effects are really great in this movie. Uh, yes, I agree. The, the, yeah, the scene with, um, all of the, uh, what were the bugs called on his food? Maggots. Maggots. Those are real maggots. Yeah. That's Ooh. not, <laughs> that's not CGI folks. Yeah. Ooh. There was no CGI at the time. And, uh, Martin Casella gets into this in the interview with Matt, which you guys should listen to. Uh, th- those are, those are real maggots and there was a maggot wrangler on set, you know, cause you're not allowed to kill any animals, even insects. Yeah. <laughs> so there's somebody who was responsible for the maggots, you know, all the effects are practical. Um, you know, cause, cause there's no computer animation. The, uh, the scene where, uh, toward the end when they're going into the bedroom, um, to, you know, rescue Carol Ann from the, uh, from the closet. Yeah. Uh, you see this, this light kind of flashing out of the closet. What that was, was an aquarium filled with water and they would slosh around the water and they just shined a light through the cool. water. So that's all it is, but it's this incredible light effect that yeah. just looks like this otherworldly thing. Um, that's really neat. Yeah. And, uh, Things like the, when the poltergeist stacks all of the chairs on the kitchen table. Yeah. Um, that was all done in one shot and that's all done in real time. So you see the chairs there and then they had a pre-rigged, uh, bunch of chairs that were glued together or whatever that while they pan around to the other side of Joe Beth Williams talking to, uh, Carol Ann, uh, the crew was running in with all those chairs oh, and put wow. them on top. And apparently I didn't look for this, but I did read it on an IMDb. If you look in the toaster, you can see the reflection of the crew stacking the chairs. Oh, really? There. We have yeah. to go back and watch that. Yeah. So then when she turns around, suddenly there's 10 chairs that are stacked on top of the, uh, the kitchen table. Yeah. That's a really just- cool scene. Uh, I also love the scene at the end where the mom is trying to rescue the kids from the, uh, the closet and she runs up the stairs and suddenly it's, uh, it's this long hallway. Yes. I love that. When normally like the, the bedroom door is right there when you go to the top of the stairs and she has to run and run down the hallway, you know? Yeah. And of course that, that's, it's a, it's a set. It's a completely different 
you know, it's easy to do. Right. You know, but in your mind, like your mind is so fucked up by that because you're so used to the architecture and the floor plan of the house that you've been living in for this whole movie. And suddenly she's in a whole new place. So there's there's something about the way they use the effects to kind of, uh, unsettle you and and play with your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I concur. Uh, let's get into some Carla's quotes. Okay. I didn't have too many for this one. Uh, I think you might be pleasantly surprised <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, aghast at some of the things you said. Uh, I love the, uh, the, the Star Spangled Banner is playing over the, uh, the opening credits. Uh, and it's such an interesting way of getting into this movie because the, they've fallen asleep in front of the TV and people watching it now might not remember TV sign offs being a thing. Do you remember that? No. Like, uh, your local station at the end of the day would go off the air. What? Like around 2 a.m. or whatever. They'd just run out of shows and they'd go off the air and then, uh, they'd usually sign off with the Star Spangled Banner and then it would just, you know, go to, it would just say, you know, KTLA or whatever on the TV oh, for the weird. next, for the next six hours until the morning news would come on or whatever. So not every channel had infomercials or, re, or reruns. Not every channel had content 24 hours a day. So TV sign offs, that was a real thing. Weird. That would happen. That's so weird that I have to explain that to you. The olden days. Yeah. I probably remember that if I tried harder to remember things. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, you said, uh, that would have been weird if we were, wa- if we were watching a Sony TV and that Sony TV was in our TV. What their, does that mean? Their TV must have been a Sony. Ours is not a Sony. And you're oh. like, what if we were watching a Sony and their Sony was in our Sony? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you got high before this or not, but that- <laughs> what if it was a Sony and a Sony, man? The last time that I got high, I actually sat in front of the TV and just looked at the menu screen for like an hour. <laughs> and I just kept thinking like, weird, you can really jump inside these letters. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's just pot, you guys. Yeah. Let's keep Carla away from the harder <laughs> drugs. Uh, there's a great golden retriever in this named E-Buzz. Yeah. And Carla immediately was like, oh, I hope the dog doesn't get hurt in this. <laughs> it's always a fear. I will direct you guys to a website called DoesTheDogDie.com. Oh. So if you're ever worried about if a movie you're going to see contains a dog or pet death, you can always go there. And I'm happy to report Poltergeist. The dog does not die. Thank God. There is a dead canary later. Yes. Uh, on that fan site, I read about the trainer for the dog, by the way. He was a guy who, uh, he was an animal trainer for movies, uh, and he had some trained dogs, but for some reason, they couldn't pass muster on this movie. And so he just used his own personal dog, which oh. was this dog who was not actually formally trained for movies. Um, but whoever was reporting this would, uh, somebody who worked on the movie would say he'd just kind of like talk to the dog, you know, whisper to him and always do exactly what they needed <laughs> for the shot. So awesome. And they never had any problems with him. Um, oh, Joe Beth Williams. Uh, Carla asked, do you say her name Joe Beth Williams or Jabeth? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said Jabeth. Jabeth. <laughs> Jabeth Williams? Jabeth Williams? Jabeth? I think he's a Jabeth. That's how I'm What a weird name. That's how I'm choosing to remember. 
It wouldn't be that weird if there was a capitalization on Beth, right? Yeah. But it's all just one thing, Jabeth. Jabeth. Ah, the cul-de-sac, classic suburban experience. <laughs> this uh, this was shot in Simi Valley, I think. Okay. Um, out there in the outer fringes of uh, L.A. County as you're starting to head out to uh, Ventura County. And uh, it was shot very close to where E.T. was shot. So, you know, this and the housing developments in E.T. look almost yeah. identical. Well, when you see this neighborhood and you see the kids playing outside and the guy riding his bike <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. the cul-de-sac, you're like, oh, suburbia. <laughs> uh, you're getting a lot of texts. Uh, nothing important. It's Ben Acker. Ben Acker and Mark Gagliardi. <laughs> Hope you guys are listening. <laughs> he doesn't have time to text you back. No, we have these big, long, uh, thrilling adventure hour group texts uh, where, you know, I'll look away from my phone and then suddenly I'll look and there's 30 texts, <laughs> which are all just bits, of course. So I can I can sort through these bits at any time. Yeah, there's that scene at the beginning of the, the guy uh, bringing some six packs of beer on his bike and then these kids uh, trip him up with their remote control yeah. cars. This guy, those kids are dicks. <laughs> well, you said what dick holes. <laughs> and then the beer is spraying everywhere and Carla says, this seems a bit excessive. Yeah, so the beer, okay, so he falls and the beer like breaks open and it's like squirting nonstop everywhere and yeah. he runs inside like he's <clears throat> got to get to see this game that he's watching with his friends but the beer is just squirting all over the living room and nobody is like, right. hey, fucker, get your beer outside. <laughs> Don't get alcohol like, all over my living room You couch. feel like people did not properly react exactly spraying beer yeah. also like who would do that you wouldn't just carry this thing of spraying the six pack of spraying beer into the into a house this is a very spielberg touch yes. i think this is one of the arguments for uh ss making this movie yeah because it's like it's the suburbs and you know look how colorful everyone is right and, and these kids are whippersnappers you know uh it's fun it's a fun way to get in the movie that guy is uh dirk diggler Diggler. <laughs> the real porn star that uh, the, my, Mark Wahlberg's character was based on. Uh, no, Dirk Blocker, I think is his name. He's on Brooklyn Nine. Dirk Blocker. I, That's hilarious. Do I have his name right? No, it's fine. You can look it up okay. later. Uh, he's, he's one of the cops on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine-69. <laughs> Yeah, that's the Dirk Diggler <laughs> version. Brooklyn Nine Nine Sixty Nine, <laughs> not just Brooklyn Sixty Nine. Nope. Okay. Uh, okay, porn industry. If you're looking for somebody to come up with great titles, my wife is available. Just for the titles. Just for the titles. Um, I don't know if that can happen with remote, by the way, <laughs> because he and his neighbor get in a remote war with each other where they're clicking back and forth and oh. changing each other's channel. I feel like, like this is a trope in a lot of 80s movies, though. Yeah. Changing your neighbor's yeah, channel. Or like your neighbor has control over what you're watching or like somebody's on the roof controlling what they're watching. <laughs> <laughs> is it a trope but like you know like somebody's like i gotta i'm gonna change what they're watching to something else okay yeah i think it was just because it was a long time before we had a remote control that the, probably they were advanced enough at that point where not everybody was off operating off of the same signal okay i don't know 
Uh, when Jabeth tries to flush the uh, canary <laughs> <laughs> that died uh, down the toilet, you said that's fucked up. Yeah, who flushes a bird down the toilet? <laughs> like it would get, it would clog up your toilet. Yeah, it's a terrible idea. What right? were you thinking, lady? Yeah, gross. Just go bury it. God. And then when when they are burying the canary in the yard, uh, Carla goes, she probably forgot to feed him. And then and Caroline's <laughs> putting some food in there. She's like, for when he's hungry. <laughs> And Carla says, yeah, because you forgot to feed him. <laughs> that's probably how he died. I did that to a hamster. Oh, let's not talk about it. Yeah, I've got a horrific hamster story that I will not share <laughs> with anyone. Uh, um, I don't know your horrific hamster story. It's more of my sister's story. Do you know mine? No. Okay, let's never talk about it. <laughs> let's make a pact. Yes. We will never talk about on this podcast or to each other. When these mics are off, we're never going to tell these hamster stories. Good. They will just remain in our heads. Yeah. Haunting sad, us till the day we die. Don't um, let kids take care of pets, you guys. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, then we see the parents uh, smoking a joint and Carla's like, yeah, getting high because the kids are in bed. <laughs> And he's reading this Reagan biography, and, and Carla said, man, books look so different in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> what did books look like then? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I said that dumb thing. I think it looked like a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, yeah, but that's what I was going to say. There would never be a PG movie made now where the parents are smoking pot. You're absolutely right. That yes. would just not yes, happen in a PG movie. That's strange. You know? Also, like, she's running around in her underwear the whole time, isn't she? The mom? Well, later, you know, when she's taking a bath and she gets out of the bath and the poltergeist kind of attacks her and, you know, her uh, shirt goes up and you see her panties and everything and then, yeah. In this scene, too, though, wasn't she just wearing, like, a t-shirt She might underwear? have been, Yeah. Hey, she's in bed. Okay, yeah. I'm not judging her. I'm just saying this isn't a PG movie. <laughs> I think it was had to be just like Spielberg's like star power. You know, was able to like sway the uh, the Motion Picture Association of America ratings board. Maybe, or maybe they were just more permissive. Maybe, yeah. Everybody got high in the '80s movies, right? Now everybody gets high, but you can't put it in a PG movie. Uh, Carla did say, were clowns scary before this movie? <laughs> uh, Someone go research it and find out. Let us know. <laughs> there, there's a couple thunderstorms in this movie. Rem- reminder, they're in Southern California. Yeah, hey, doesn't maybe make the, any sense. Maybe there were more storms back then. I know there were more storms back then, but I don't know if they were at the degree to which uh, they get thunder and lightning here. Uh, but Carla said, uh, we had just gotten back from Kentucky a few weeks ago and there was a terrible, terrible thunderstorm while we were there. And Carla said, remember how scared we were of that thunderstorm in Kentucky? Remember how we were Googling if we could take showers? <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Do not take a shower while it's, uh, while it's thundering and lightning. Yeah. Bad idea. Um, oh yeah, there's a weird scene where the, uh, the older teenage daughter, is uh, leaving for school and then there's these workmen out back who are kind of like leering at her. Yeah. And then she flips them off. Uh and then it cuts to Joe Beth Williams in the kitchen. She's like, Oh my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and Carla's like, her mom was just laughing that those middle aged men were making motions like they want to fuck her daughter. It was so weird. Yeah. Another thing that wouldn't be in a movie these days. <laughs> uh you said to Benny while watching the movie 
uh, when eBuzz came on the screen, you said, that's a doggy. That's what you are. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I talked to him. Yeah. In case Benny was confused at all. Uh, when they do cut to that scene of all the, uh, the chairs on top of the table, they're all Bentwood chairs. And this is a little inside baseball, but Carla said, Bentwood chairs. You could do a second city show in that kitchen. <laughs> the Bentwood chair, of course, the traditional chair of improv. <laughs> when, uh, when they realize that Carol Ann is gone, they're all despondent, you know, of course. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, you're talking about uh, Robbie, the other kid. You're like, poor kid. He's like, but I was just being sucked inside a tree. Because <laughs> <laughs> this tr- this giant tree was about to eat him. It broke through the window yeah. and covered him in sap. That's how much that tree wanted to eat that kid. Yeah. That yeah. was pretty cool. Apparently, And th- that tree is still really scary, too. Yeah. You know? I mean, not really scary. More, st- Still more like cute scary. <laughs> cute scary. It's adorable. <laughs> this old, gnarled, malevolent tree. Um, You did say it's like the upside down. Yeah. yeah. It did feel that way. So you, you saw it coming that this was a Stranger Things reference. Yep. Um, I think you must be talking about the mom here because you say she seems to be coping okay. She even matched her scarf to her coat and pants. <laughs> <laughs> she's very um she's dressed very nicely and neatly and her hair's put up. Yeah. Even though her daughter's been sucked into a another dimension <laughs> for we we aren't quite sure how long. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Did they go immediately to the parapsychologists or is this a week later? It, it seems like some time has passed. Well, cause right? Craig T. Nelson, he, he's like, uh, clearly affected physically. Yeah. Cause he looks sick. His, he has got dark, um, shadows under his eyes. And the mom's just like, Hey, <laughs> check out my new scarf. <laughs> I don't know if this goes with this blouse, but yes, it does. <laughs> Anyway, so my daughter's in another dimension. Yeah. Um, when uh, <laughs> there's a long scene where the mom and then the uh, the head uh, parapsychologist are just whispering to each other, and you're like, the whispering is a bad choice because <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear it. It's like being on stage; you have to project. Sure, we really had to crank up the volume at times, and then something scary would happen, and be like, "Oh, that's way too loud." Uh. <laughs> um. You also said, you know who they need to call if they could just wait a year or two more. <laughs> I believe that's in reference to the Ghostbusters. To the Ghostbusters. Uh, <laughs> I think you're referring to the boss, Mr. Teague, here, because uh, you said this guy's face is what's wrong with the late 70s, early 80s. What? Oh, maybe you're talking about, maybe you're talking about Marty, the guy who pulls his face off. No. Who were you talking about? I don't know. This guy's face is what's wrong with oh, the late 70s, early it, 80s. I think I was talking about the guy, but not at that point when he pulled. I think because he had uh, huge glasses and like a gross haircut. Okay. And he just looked like what I would think the 70s, late 70s, early sure, 80s He just is. epitomized that yeah. era of uh, sleaziness to you. I wish I could have said that in a nicer way, though. Yeah. Well, that's how you said it. <laughs> Carla's quotes are always 100% accurate. Yeah. As I rapidly type them on my iPad as they're coming out of her mouth. Uh, sometimes I miss scenes in the movie because I gotta get Carla's quotes down accurately. Aww. Uh, they send, uh, the kids and the dog away in a cab and you're like, even the dog's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> I love that dog. 
You think he's still alive? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He's now a happy 35-year-old golden retriever living in luxury on a farm. Uh. On a farm out there in Simi Valley. Um, At one point, you yelled to Craig T. Nelson, be a dad, damn it. Be a dad. (laughs) I think uh, when he has to, like, be stern to her. Yeah. Um. Something with all the flashing lights, you said, I wonder if there was a seizure warning when this came out. Oh, yeah. Because if you get seizures, you wouldn't want to see this in the movie theater. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't think they did seizure warnings back then. I don't think they do them now either, do no, they? No, they don't. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, something, if you go to a theater, if you go to see a theater where there's strobe lights, they usually will have a – Like a play. Uh, yeah, a play. So it must not translate – if it's Into projected, movies? I don't know. Epileptics, l- let me hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, do uh, do flashing lights in a movie uh, send you into seizures? Please <laughs> let us know. Craigslist PCAST on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when they're they're testing to make sure that the portal in the closet opens up to the portal in the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, and then they're sending tennis balls through and, uh, the guy grabs it and smells it. And you said, why would he, why would you smell it? Yeah. It comes out like covered in pl- Ecto- ectoplasm and gunk. And he's, he smells it. Yeah. Almost like, you know, I don't know. Like it would Say smell it. good. Like it would smell good. <laughs> like I got to smell this yeah, right away. I hope it smells good. <laughs> Like, oh, no, it's... Like touching it isn't enough? It's ectoplasm from another dimension. Yeah, of course it smells terrible. Um, At least he didn't lick it. Yeah. If Carol Ann would just do what they say, they wouldn't have to keep repeating themselves. (laughs) When they get... uh, (laughs) When they rescue them, they put them in a bath. You're like, don't open your mouth. You don't want that jello in your mouth. Well, they're covered in the ectoplasm yeah. and it looks like, it looks like the stuff that comes out when you have a baby. <laughs> Which I'm sure is on purpose. Sure. That's their, sure. To look they're being, kinda... they're being reborn. Yes. In a way. Yes. Don't put it in your mouth though. <laughs> don't smell it. Don't put it in your mouth. You don't know what it is or where it came from. Yeah. Then after the horrific events, uh, where Carol Ann is in another dimension, you know, they, they've been haunted, terrible things have happened and nobody died, but it's been really scary. They decide to stay there another night before, so before they leave. Weird. And, well, technically they don't. Craig T. Nelson's like, I gotta go to my job and talk to my boss, but I'll be back tonight and then yeah, we're leaving. Then we'll leave tonight. <laughs> Uh, and so all of that happens. So he leaves and they're just like acting like normal. Like, okay, we're just going to pack up the truck and get out of here tonight when your dad gets back. And then she decides she needs to dye her hair. That's right. The mom. Yeah. Because she has shocks of white from having traveled to another dimension. So she's like, I should probably dye my hair even though we were haunted this morning and I was in a different dimension. (laughs) So then we see her act real normal and tuck the kids in bed like everything's yeah. normal. Also, Robbie, if you're terrified of clowns, maybe don't prominently display one directly across from your bed. Exactly. <laughs> in a chair. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, Carla said, I wouldn't leave my kids alone for the next year. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be staring at them all the time. Thus concludes Carla's quotes. Nice. Good job, Carla. I'd be a helicopter parent. 
Yeah. That's the one thing that could make me a helicopter parent, I think. Ghosts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch your kids constantly because, you know, they might get haunted. Yep. Uh, let me just go through some odds and ends. Uh, I really think, uh, Heather O'Rourke as a child actor could not have been a better get, you know, cause she's really cute, but really kind of serious yeah. and creepy at the same time. So like, it's a really good mix. Kid who plays Robbie, not so great. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's cute. Yeah. He's cute. Um, and then, uh, Dominic Dunn, who plays the older daughter, was also tragically murdered, uh, yeah. I think before this movie even came out. Oh, really? Know? Yeah, I think so. So. So she was super young when that happened. She was then. 22 when she died. Yeah. She looks like she's 15 in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Joe Beth Williams only 11 years older than Dominic Dunn. Craig T. Nelson, I think 15 years older. So they really could not have been her, wow. her parents. But then also when Steve goes to the uh, psychologist, he's like, oh, there's my wife. Uh, she's uh, 31, 32. There's my oldest daughter, Dana. She's 16. Huh. And, like we're immediately doing the math of like, wait a minute. I didn't do the math. I did the math. <laughs> and apparently I, I also read the novelization. I always read the novelization for every movie that I love that <laughs> came out at this time. And I didn't note this at the time but but looking up on the age thing apparently they justify it as dana is his daughter by a previous marriage and the other kids are joe beth williams kids that he had with her so that uh, explains the 16 year age difference between uh dana it also explains the the giant age difference between dana and robbie yes yeah Mm -hmm. there's a big gap there um, so we got three Oscar nominations for what? Uh, visual effects, sound effects, and score. Well deserved. Yeah, the score by Jerry Goldsmith is very good. And it's one of the few Spielberg movies with not a John Williams score. Wow. Um, but that main theme uh, of this movie is very creepy. And then there's a children's choir that sings it over the closing credits, which yeah. makes it even creepier. This, uh, for some reason, I remember this coming out the same day as E.T., which is crazy. Yeah. First of all, because there's like two major releases, both by the same director, producer. Uh, but uh, apparently Poltergeist was released the week before. So they both came out in June of 82. And then one week later, E.T. was released. Weird. And if, like they, they would just never be scheduled in that way. Yeah. Uh, these days. But, uh, but that's crazy. Uh, we will have plenty of time to talk about E.T. much later on this podcast. I figured. Yeah. I like E.T. Um, do you want me to give it my letter grade? What do you got, Carla? Um, I'll give it a B for, um, back. <laughs> B for back. That's Poltergeist too, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. They're here and then they're back. Uh, so it'd be for you. Yeah. It's yeah. a solid, it's a solid movie. Yeah. It's a solid movie. It's not, it's not awesome, but it's cute. It's fun. <laughs> it's like popcorn or a Snickers bar. Yeah. I think it's just like the degree to which this was such a major movie of my childhood. You know, it, it's tough for me to shake. I get know? it. And I still watching it again, like all those feelings of being a kid and having that wonder, uh, watching it, they, they all come up again. So it kind of, uh, it's a very nostalgic movie for me, but yeah, I, I think when I redo the list, this will probably not stay in the top 100 because there's so hmm. many, uh, so many other great movies. That I de- think it's interesting though. Like chance. it's technically 
interesting and uh, well done, like you said, with special effects. And the acting is actually very good throughout. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a very convincing family. Like yeah. the parents are really great. You know, it feels like a very, you know, regardless of whether she's his second wife or not, it feels like a very lived in marriage, yeah, you know, yeah. and they take the time to make it feel real. Yeah. And even the parts where I'm giving her a hard time about not being upset enough about Carol Ann missing, like when she has to talk to Carol Ann or like try to go after Carol Ann, uh, it's very convincing how distraught she is. She's very good in this. Yeah. Yeah. And horror is kind of the one genre that's not dependent on stars, you know, mm-hmm. like certainly we know who Craig T. Nelson and Jobeth Williams are now, but they weren't that well known when the movie was made. Uh, certainly Zelda Rubenstein was a, right. a find from nowhere. Apparently mm-hmm. she was a, uh, a psychic in real life. Oh, really? Well, you know, I think she was an actress, but also she was somebody who did like psychic readings and, oh, and wow. stuff like that. Uh, and she was kind of the breakout star of this movie. Yeah. You know, cause she's so, uh, specific and unusual and she's really good too. Yeah. Yeah. And she also gets the one big laugh of the movie too. Actually, there's a few good jokes in the movie. Um, uh, but the one where, uh, where she's like, I'm going to go in. Joe Williams is like, no, she's my daughter. And she's like, you're right. You go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, there's some fun laughs. It's such a good uh, laugh. And then the out to the whole movie is a great button where he they get to the hotel. Yes. They're exhausted and just, you know, just exhausted. They go and he puts his family into the room. They shut the door and then he immediately opens the door and pushes the TV out into the... You're right. Yeah. It's a really nice button. Yeah. And this also might have been... I, I think this is probably my first surprise ending to a movie, you know, so mm-hmm. of course, you know, that every fucking horror movie is going to have the double clutch ending, you know, yeah. where if, like you haven't really gotten rid of the monster. Here it is, you know, but I think as a 12 year old watching it and seeing like this house is clean. Yeah. And then seeing them kind of like settle back into normality and then the clown coming to life and her, you know, uh, being psychically thrown against the wall and right. the closet opening up and everything of like, my mind was just blown. And then the reveal that, uh, that it was built on a graveyard blew my mind yeah, as well. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Now, of course, of course, I know the twist. Right. But, you know, when you have the scene earlier with the boss where he's like, yeah, well, we moved all these years ago. It's phase one. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, oh, it's built on a graveyard. <laughs> You know? It's constructed really well. Yeah. It's good storytelling. That's why I think it deserves to stay in your top 100. Okay. You know, I think it's, it's borderline. We'll see when I redo it. You okay. know, it would probably stay in the nineties if it, if it stays, but, yeah. uh, but I do, I do love this movie. And I think with the, uh, the graveyard in mind, maybe we should do that for, uh, for khaki theater. Okay. Which graveyard? Then. Well, uh, just the the scene at the end of him confronting the boss, okay. you know, uh, is probably my favorite moment of the movie where, you know, he screams at the boss of like, you moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I feel like the boss never got a chance to really defend himself there because he just then runs into the house and, you know, tries to save his family. But I think there should be a longer version of that scene. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Who am I? You'll be Craig T. Nelson and I'll be uh, Mr. Teague. Great. Love it. Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, so I just get out of my car, right? That part. Yeah. And I run up to the house. Yes. Caroline. Oh God. Oh my God. What's happening? Get, get out of the house. Get out of the house. Oh wow. What, well, what's going on here? This is you son of a bitch. Who me? You son of a bitch. Come on, Steve. Look at 
these bodies popping up from underground. You you move the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. Well, we, we told you not to put in that swimming pool, Steve. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You're going straight to hell for this. Hey, I, you know, I don't believe in that stuff. What do you mean you don't believe it? Look at these I'm bodies an, popping ag- up from underground. Look I'm at an this. agnostic. What? Oh. <laughs> Look, I tell you what, you put in some hedges, you can block the view of those bodies. I should have gone into insurance. <laughs> you know, we're going to move you to phase five, which would be nicer. Be up on the hill there, Steve. You My know. family's inside with ghosts. I think that's what they're called. Well, yeah, poltergeists, maybe. Uh, get out of my way. I gotta get to my I'm family. Not, I'm not in your way, Steve. You know, it was just so expensive, so prohibitively expensive to move those bodies, you know? Watch out, body! <laughs> okay. Oh, boy, that, that one's got some jewelry on. Scene. You know, they used real skeletons? Did they really? Yeah, they did. What? Shut up. For some reason, it was cheaper to get real human cadavers rather than uh, use fake skeletons. That can't be true. That's what I read. I don't know about the cost thing, but I know that they use real skeletons, but they didn't tell Jo Beth Williams until she had finished shooting the scene that she would be in a uh, in a swimming pool full of uh, actual dead bodies. What? I, I need to fact check that. That oh. sounds crazy. Okay. Well, I read an IMDb, so it's got to be true, Carla. <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for sharing the one of my favorite scary movies with me, Carla. Thanks for having me, Craig. Well, you, you'll be on every episode. I, I think it's working out, <laughs> this whole <laughs> dynamic. So uh, I know we, you've been recurring so far, but we're going to make you an official cast member. I got a bump? You got a bump up to regular. Yeah. Okay. What's next? Uh, well, next week is number 92. Ooh. This is a 1974 film by Bob Fosse. Ooh. You know what it is? Cabaret. <laughs> uh, close. That was a 1972 film that Bob Fosse won Best Director for. This is a Bob Fosse film, but it's not a musical. It is about show business, though. It's about the stand-up comedian Lenny Bruce, played by Dustin Hoffman, and it's called Lenny. Never seen it. You've never seen it? Don't know anything about it. Okay. You know anything about Lenny Bruce? I mean, I know who he was, but I don't know anything about him. Cool. I think you'll find it interesting. And we're going to have a special guest for this episode. Ooh. And it's somebody who knows a little something about stand-up comedy. Um, I don't even know if he's seen this movie or likes this movie, but I know that he would have some interesting thoughts to offer. Dimitri Martin. (laughs) Dimitri Martin is not appearing on the podcast. I don't want to reveal the guest, but I can say what his initials are. PFT. 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 <laughs> we'll be on our next episode to discuss the movie Lenny. Uh, please go see uh, Lenny. It's playing in theaters right now. No, it's not. It's not in theaters. This is a 40-year-old movie. It's easily uh, rentable on iTunes or uh, Amazon. So, Check out Lenny so you can uh, discuss it along with us. <laughs> Do you, you guys we won't are doing hear that. you. You we guys are doing that, right? You're talking along. I hope to so. The podcast That'd be amazing. As, as we talk about it. So uh, we'll see you next week on Craigslist. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>